Welcome everyone to the mightiest podcast in the nine realms, metas, and mutants. I am Tombstone the Dead Man, and this is my fellow Avenger, Super Psygot. What up? What's good, Super Psygot? Ah, you know, caught up on the last couple comics I hadn't yet, and then watched WandaVision, which I want to talk about, but that's today's topic of choice. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Yes, and on that note, anyone who hasn't seen the first two episodes, this episode will contain spoilers. Absolutely. If you don't care, continue listening. If you've seen it, continue listening. If you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled, you may want to skip this episode until you've seen it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have been forewarned. Forewarned. Um, but yeah, I actually, I, I pretty much have done the same thing. Uh, you was doing. I caught up with some comics. Um, finally, the one that I was waiting for since December came out. Um, the King in Black Three, where I got to see the. Um, I don't. I just needed to see the confrontation between uh, All Father Thor and and No, because um, I'm I'm more so than anything else. I'm I'm scaling these characters in my head, even though it's it's completely. A, a arduous task to do, considering different writers will come in and have characters do shit, you know. But nonetheless, um, one of the questions that I saw somebody pose on um, under one of uh, Comics Explained video was, had Odin still been Allfather, would that conflict would have turned out different? I think it would have, but I think the outcome might have been the same. And the reason I say that is because Odin wouldn't have fought Null the same way Thor did. Odin wouldn't have fought Null until Asgard was threatened. Exactly. He would have literally stayed out of that shit. He would have literally let Null do whatever the fuck mm -hmm, he wanted. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He would not have gotten involved. And then once once Null would have uh, uh, tried to come for Asgard, which he probably would have, he would have fought him using magics and spells it would not have come to a um or not to maybe to the last moment it would not have come to any physical altercation between the two where they're literally throwing blows at each other because yeah. that's kind of not how odin um it's not that he can't do it he can but he's also too that's smart for that it. yeah not <laughs> it's not how he rolls um but that said even with that I he's think the high wizard, you know? He's a high that's exactly what he is. He he's godly Gandalf. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he's gonna he's gonna fight with spells and shit. But I think the outcome would have been the same. And I largely think this because from what I have observed, most of the things that were swimming around in the void before time are uber powerful, stupid powerful, and stupid durable. So, yeah. you know, like, I feel like... You had to be to survive. You had to be. So, when they went... So, yes, they can be injured by these god-level characters. No question. They're still gods. But they're not made of the same stuff, <laughs> you know, as, like, Null. They're not... Null is made of something different. He's made of something different. And you're not going to have a guy that was slicing through Celestial's before time <laughs> saying being a pushover to a few lightning bolts or you know a, a, a slap of a, of a mystic spear or some shit it's, eh, it's gonna hurt him but it's not gonna put him down for good 
and just also the way no tends to um tends to fight is he basically allows his um his minions those things he control outside of him to do most of his most of work it. For and him. they're fairly powerful so before you even get to him you got to deal with these assholes right and chances are it'll wear you down wear you out and then when you become a threat that look he he made that a appo- uh, that appearance for thor because he clearly saw thor as a threat i got to i got to be hands on with this right but it well it wasn't thor it was storm well yeah that's true <laughs> that's true but storm um threat and then Thor showed up and it was like, okay, this is not I a good look, <laughs> right? This is this is not a good look, but um, because of, I think because of the way Thor fights, I think he leaves himself vulnerable a lot of times when he doesn't need to be. Like you literally have the Odin Force, but you don't have the experience in using magic like your father did, so you use it to boost your stats. So that means you're capable of physically harming. No, you knock this freaking jaw off his face, right? Like, right, with one swing. So that, you know, yeah, but that might not be the best tactic to use against, no, physical attacks. This just might not be the thing. Maybe you have to outthink him. And Thor's never been good at that. You know, he's never really been that good at that. He's not, it's not that he's a, that he's a complete moron, but he thinks like a brawler. He thinks like a brute. When it comes to dealing with situations like this, I'm gonna go in and hit him with the hammer. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna strike him with this lightning bolt. See how that hold him. When there's like a, a, n- a near infinite amount of possibilities with the Odin Force, shit I've seen Odin do with that. You know, it's ridiculous for Thor not to do any of that. <laughs> like, just, none of it. You watch your father do that. Like, come on, what are you doing? Yeah. What the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? But it, it was overall, I only had one complaint, and it's been a constant complaint of mine um, since for for years now. For years now, and with the exception of a few titles, I don't like the when the fights only go um, a few panels. Yeah. Uh, pay, or a couple of pages. I don't. I, I need to see a conflict. Conflict. You know. Conflict. Let's see it. There's one thing y'all when y'all were building up to it, but now that we're here, I'm expecting extended pitch battles, like they used to have. And and yeah. and, and coming off like of, I remember the AVX series had a f- handful of issues that were literally just dedicated to the battles. Yes, few of these absolutely, guys. absolutely, absolutely. Kind of want to see that, you know. Um, it, it puts me in the mind of when um, this is an old story in the X Men, um, X Men series, where the younger brother of the original um, Thunderbird, oh Warpath, Warpath, when he first uh, approached the X Men, it was for revenge, revenge for for Thunderbird, because he felt like everything was cool, and then he went off with you assholes, and he wound up getting killed in the first mission. Right, so he wanted revenge, and he had pretty much set a group of the X Men up. And he was doing really well for himself until he got 
to fight Wolverine. <laughs> He's doing really well for himself. And in yeah. that and that fight, That's the thing. It's Warpath is a. He's a beast. Mm-hmm. I don't think pe- people real don't realize yeah. how badass warpath yeah because dude he, and he's actually more more powered up now than he was then and and then he was going through x-men like like they weren't that big of a threat until he got to wolvie and i love what they did with that fight because that fight lasted it was pitched 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 and and very it sounds funny to say this but it was choreographed good the panels, it made sense. Everything made sense. Every blow, every kick, every throw, every punch, it made sense. Um, and then they, it's another fight they did. Um, uh, it was Wolverine. The first time um, Psylocke had joined the X-Men when she was still in British form, right? Oh, yeah, when she was still in Betsy Braddock's body. Betsy Braddock's body. And Sabretooth attacked the mansion. That fight... Between Sabretooth, he took Rogue out quick as fuck, which caught me off guard. Like, what? That's it? Is it for Rogue? She's done? He took her out quick. He made his way into the mansion. And him and Betsy, Betsy held her own. I got to give her that. She held her own, kept him back, right? But she was destined to lose that, right? She clearly was destined to lose that. And um, when she did, here comes Wolvie. And that fight was long and entertaining. And now we get a few panels, if you're lucky. You might get five panels, maybe, of people throwing blows or throwing some energy out there or whatever. And that's it. And then a lot of shit happens off panel. And it's like, yeah, come on, guys. Come on. I'm literally paying more for comic books now when I do choose to buy them than I have before. You could give us a little more. <laughs> I'm just saying. Gives us a little bit more, but it is what it is with that. What other books did you read? Uh, I did read the latest X Family stuff. So, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. latest X Force and Cable. And ah. the Cable one is interesting because uh, the Cable solo run has involved him heavily, like, basically helping. Or investigating kidnapped mutant babies. Mm-hmm. Because in the wake of everything with Krakoa, there's been multiple mutant fanatic cults of humans who worship mutants as gods. Right. And apparently there's a group of them that have been kidnapping babies. Damn. So he's like, okay, well, we gotta investigate this shit. And in the latest issue... He found out who was ultimately behind manipulating one of these cult of X groups mm-hmm. in the kidnapping the mutant babies. None other than himself. <laughs> not, not, not himself himself. Right, right. Strife, right. Who, so, you know. The return apoc- of strife. Apocalypse's clone of himself. Right. So, he, he ends up like, oh, well, this is kind of awkward. So he goes back, he's requesting all the information and files on Strife that he can because Kid Cable doesn't quite have all the knowledge and everything else. Plus, you know, a lot of the people who fought Strife are the X-Men and not Cable himself. That's true. 
That's true. So it's like, okay, well, I need all the information. And then he goes and has a drink with uh, Domino. It's like, this isn't weird. And Domino just looks at him like, Nate, honey, between us, it's always been weird. Facts, though. <laughs> and it's like, all right, all right. So it looks like we're getting a bit of a Domino and Cable team up in this run in the next couple issues. Uh, I, I'm, I'm here for that. I'm and here for that. I did read one other comic the other day. Okay. The latest Iron Fist run. Oh, I saw that. I saw that too. I, I, Iron I Fist, Heart of the Dragon. Damn it! And this run, it it has potential to be really good mm-hmm. because one, you get Iron Fist, you get Luke Cage, but in the first issue. They do uh, bring back Dog Brother. Oh, shit. Who's one of the other uh, mystical cities, Immortal Weapons. Right. And the only Immortal Weapon we've seen since the uh, Immortal Iron Fist and the Immortal Weapons run, which basically did a one-issue run of each of the other weapons, Mm -hmm. the only one we've really seen since then is Fat Cobra. And that's really only in, like, the Agents of Wakanda run. Right. Issue two, because you know how comics show the next issue's covered on the last page. Yeah. Issue two shows Dog Brother, Iron Fist, Fat Cobra, and Bride of Nine Spiders. And it's like, oh, damn, we're bringing back all the immortal weapons right now. <laughs> so, one, I, I've always been a fan of Iron Fist runs. And I love the Power Man Iron Fist dynamics, so Luke Cage Iron Fist dynamic. I, mm-hmm. I just love their dynamic and the fact that he's still a character throughout this. Right. At least through the first issue. He's not featured on the the cover of the next issue, but that's not to say he's not in there. Right. Like, he's not on the cover of the first issue either, so... Hmm. But... You know, I I enjoy the Iron Fist runs, especially when they start delving into like, again, the other immortal weapons. Yeah, they're underused, but again, I also really like Fat Cobra. That dude is hilarious. (laughs) You know, I think maybe the reason they underuse them is because they kind of want to keep him special, and I feel I guess they feel like if they focus in too much on some other ones, well, if you delve into that. You're delving into a lot more of like the backstory of Kunlun and everything else. You're delving into the like the mystical aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And with Iron Fist, they've heavily been keeping him more grounded as a street level guy, which is why you you do see a lot more Iron Fist things with Luke Cage and stuff like that. Right? Because that's he ha- he's not a traditionally popular character. Right. And his best runs tend to be runs where it's Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. So they, they don't do a lot of runs focusing on the mystical backstory and stuff like that. Because generally, if people want magic stories, they're going to Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange or, or, yeah. your Thors. Your, or even that new Academy book that they got. Uh, yeah, the Strange Academy. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, you're going to that kind of thing if you want that. You're not necessarily going to Iron Fist for the mystical story. Like, I know someone once joked, he's basically magic adjacent rather than magic himself. So, like, I I get why, but that's a big 
upside is like you have all this extra lore you can dig into and create a good story from and so I'm here for it oh absolutely absolutely sounds good let's get into this news though alright we got a few interesting stories here uh <laughs> our boy Ray Ray got it again <laughs> I'm gonna let you take uh Ray Ray, Uncle Ray Ray. <laughs> okay, so one I I, I actually seen it's apparently a, a nickname he's been given at this point. <laughs> no longer cyborg, boys. It's cryborg. Ooh, oh, oh, because damn. every time you see Ray Fisher, he's crying about something. That is horrible. And again, we, I can't stress this enough. Some of his complaints are legitimate. We're not delegitimizing his legitimate his legitimate complaints. complaints. Yes, absolutely. But he has a lot of illegitimate complaints, or yes, he does legitimately questionable complaints. Right, right, right. So this one is. Warner Media issue statement in response to Ray Fisher's post about being removed from the Flash movie. Because <laughs> he he was given not necessarily a cameo, mm-hmm. but a still a minor supporting role in the Flash movie. Right. You know, 10, 15 <clears throat> minutes of screen time type thing. That's, that's so actually that, not bad. It's not bad. More than a cameo, but not necessarily a main role. Right, right. So Warner Brothers decided to remove him after Ray Fisher's last statement of refusing to work for Walter Hamada, who's the head of DC Films. Yeah. And then he complained about, oh, well, they removed me from this. Like, well, you basically said you quit, my man. So what were they supposed to do exactly? (laughs) So this is uh, Warner's response to that is, Uh, The back and forth between Warner Brothers and Ray Fisher continues as the cyborg actor who played the part in Justice League continues to speak up with claims of abuse and mistreatment on the movie's set. Fisher shared a letter on social media on Wednesday afternoon, which uh, blasted Warner Brothers for dismissing his claims and moving on from his role. Further evidenced by their extension of Walter Hamada's contract with the studios to oversee DC Comics movies. Following Fisher's open letter on social media, Warner Brothers released a statement via deadline. As has been previously stated, an extensive investigation was conducted by an outside law firm, led by a former federal judge who has assured Warner Media that there were no impediments to the investigation. That was one of Fisher's complaints yeah. was that they were actively interfering with the investigation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. A spokesperson for Warner Brothers said last summer, Mr. Fisher was offered the opportunity to reprise his role as Cyborg in The Flash. Given his statement that he will not participate in any film associated with Mr. Hamada, our production is now moving on. Warner Brothers remains in business with Jeff Johns, who continues to produce Stargirl, Batwoman, Doom Patrol, Superman and Lois, and Titans for the studio, among other projects. So, Jeff Johns has basically been moved on to the TV side of things rather than the movie stuff. Right, right. And Sarnoff, chair and CEO of Warner Media Studios and Networks Group, also weighed in, I believe in Walter Hamada and that he did not impede or interfere in the investigation. 
Furthermore, I have full confidence in the investigation's process and findings. Walter is a well-respected leader, known by his colleagues, peers, and me as a man of great character and integrity. As I said in Walter's recent deal extension announcement, I'm excited about where he's taking DC Films and look forward to working with him and the rest of the team to build out the DC multiverse. Yeah, well, we'll put a pin in that to see how that works out. Well, you got her. And again, too, Walter Hamada was literally an outside hire because of the complaints of right, right. Ray Fisher. And there were some legitimate complaints they found. They hired an outside guy instead of promoting <laughs> from within to ensure that there was no interference, there was no impediments, there was no favoritism. The guy hasn't worked with these people. He's a new hire. You're getting a blank slate. He can't take yes for an answer. <laughs> Fisher previously said he refuses to work on any movie which involves Hamada, a statement which was quickly followed by Warner Brothers announcing the studio had extended Hamada's contract. Since that time, Fisher's cyborg has been written out of the Flash movie. Damn it. And then it's like Fisher's statement was, on December 30th, 2020, I made it clear that I cannot, with a clear conscience, participate in any production associated with the current president of DC Films, Walter Hamada. The reasoning behind that declaration was twofold. Walter's purposeful attempt to undermine the Justice League investigation in order to protect his friend and former co-president Jeff Johns. Again, outside hire. <laughs> No previous association outside of having heard of him because Jeff Johns is also a successful comic writer. Yeah, yeah. And two, Walter's attempt to protect himself by contributing to the public dissemination of lies and misinformation about myself and oh. the Justice League investigation in Warner Brothers Pictures. Uh, September 4th statement to the rap. Yeah. So... <laughs> That's that. Well, uh, my guess is I would not be surprised if after the Snyder cut on HBO Max, that is the last you see if of Mr. They Fisher. Either recast Cyborg, or they possibly just cut him out of things for a while and then recast him later. You know what I think is going on in the minds of a lot of those people there at that not company. Well, they're probably thinking, you know, on second thought, we should have went with Hot Girl. <laughs> Was it really worth it? But it's like, okay, here's the thing. They they can absolutely still go the cyborg route. Mm -hmm. It's just probably not with Ray Fisher at this point. I've I've said this for a minute that I have always had somewhat of an issue. With them putting Cyborg in the position to be one of the original Justice Leaguers. Because I, I we know where he, where he comes from, you know? like Yeah, but you got to realize the new 52 run, Cyborg was one of the founding. Oh, absolutely. And I do recognize and that. that. That's kind of where they were going. They were going with the new 52 Justice League rather than the OG. It's the old traditional ones. It's why Green Lantern wasn't there. It's well, it's one It's one of the reasons Green Lantern wasn't there. Because <laughs> the other reason is they still try to figure out what's the best How way to reintroduce him. Yeah. 
but I would have took um, Martian Manhunter. I would have yeah, took at the know. same time. Like I, I get they're trying to represent the entire whole team in their debut, so they they picked the iteration of the team that they can do that with, and a recent, a fairly recent one at that. Because I know what they were thinking. They were thinking, well, most of the people that have at least been reading comic books since the new 52, this is who they see as, you know, the Justice Justice League. And I know that my bias comes from having watched the Justice League since they were called the Super Friends on TV, and Cyborg was not part of that, and my introduction to Cyborg was a Teen Titan. (laughs) He's a Titan. But, you know, it is what it is with that. I, I, I am mildly, I'm still mildly amused at rate, well, Molly's not even the right word. Greatly amused at the hapless and feckless <laughs> dealings of Ray Ray Fisher. So, you know, it's always interesting. And I am telling you, even even though right now, after we read this story, it may seem like this is the last we're here from him. No, it isn't. I'm sure there's at least four or five more stories they're going to squeeze out of Ray's uh, proclamations online. So, yeah. Just saying, he's the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) Yep. So, um, the next story. Kevin Feige talks about how they are doing Black Panther 2 without Bozeman. So, um, where am I? Oh, yeah, right here. Uh, Phase 4 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is about to start. Kicking off with WandaVision on January 15th. A total of 25 projects will officially usher in a new era for the franchise in the next couple, next few years. But details about some films like Black Panther 2 are still being kept under wraps, especially after the death of its lead star Chadwick Boseman. Boseman's passing last year sent shockwaves in the entertainment industry, and it was not an easy pill to swallow for everyone. Marvel Studios paid tribute in a multitude of ways, such as changing the Marvel Studios logo opening sequence to honor Bozeman and several MCU stars joining together to send heartfelt messages to the T'Challa actor. During Disney Investor Day, Marvel Studios CCO Kevin Feige took it a step further by confirming that they won't recast Bozeman as T'Challa for Black Panther 2, honoring the legacy of the actor's iconic on-screen portrayal. Now Feige opened up about the studio's decision once again in an interview. While speaking with Deadline, which seems to be getting all the stories, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige explained how the MCU will handle the upcoming narrative of Black Panther 2 following Chadwick Boseman's passing. Feige pointed out that a good chunk of the comics and and the the first first Black Black Panther Panther film relied heavily on Wakanda, admitting that it is a place to further explore with characters in different subcultures. On top of that, Feige assured fans that they are not going to have a CG Chadwick, while also confirming, once again, that they are not recasting T'Challa for the sequel. And um, they have uh, the actual quote here. It says, So much of the comics in that first movie is the world of Wakanda. Wakanda is a place to further explore with characters in different subcultures. This was always and initially the primary focus of the next story. We're not going to have a CG Chadwick and we're not recasting T'Challa. Ryan Coogler is working very hard right now on the script with all the respect and love and genius that he has, which gives us great solace 
So it, will all, it was always about furthering the mythology and the inspiration of Wakanda. There's also the task of honoring and respecting the ongoing learnings and teachings from Chad as well. Now, what this means. Based on this reveal, it is safe to say that Marvel Studios is handling the situation very well. Fans rejoiced when it was revealed that the studio will not recast the Chala role for the sequel, meaning they were on board with the whole strategy. Now, I gotta, I gotta say, there were a few people that I saw um, demanding a demanding recast. a recast. And, oh, I, I still see it in a couple of the groups I'm in. So, I mean, as far as to the um, percentages or, or the ratio. Um, I've seen more people saying that they don't want him recast, so I'm sure that's kind of what what Kevin and them are going and, off and of. That's, that's where the vast majority, I think, yeah, yeah, recast. Absolutely, but there are people that feel like he needs to be recast because they feel like there are other characters that with situations have happened with that actor that played and they got somebody else. I think this hit different though, and that's what I always tell people. I'm like. Yeah, sometimes you can apply things that happened previously to a situation, but sometimes you can't. This shit hit differently. It just did. Um, like, for instance, when um, in the Fast and Furious series, when Paul Walker died, they didn't recast him. Nope. Because they know for the people, the vast majority of the fans, that are fans of that particular series of movies, they have a connection to Paul Walker being that character. So this is this is the same damn thing. Um, so to um, continue, it says, placing the focus on Wakanda makes narrative sense since the location itself presents exciting story opportunities. In MCU canon, Wakanda has yet to be explored thoroughly, and it will be interesting to uncover more secrets that lie within the aforementioned country. A glimpse of the different tribes of Wakanda has shown during, was shown during the Black Panther and briefly in Avengers Infinity War. Based on what's been unveiled, unveiled thus far, not much is known about the dynamic of the tribes in the secluded country, making it all the more exciting to explore with the audience. For example, a conflict could potentially arise due to T'Challa's sudden disappearance or even on-screen death, which will definitely lead to disagreement between the tribes. This is where Shuri, Okoye, and even Mbaku could come into play. And these characters may end up being the focal point of the narrative, ultimately leading to the resolution of Naaman T'Challa's successor as Black Panther of Wakanda. Whatever the case, Black Panther 2 is in safe hands of Marvel Studios and Ryan Coogler, and their combined efforts will no doubt create a compelling story to honor Bozeman and propel the franchise in surprising ways moving forward. Here... Here, I do not disagree with any of that. Um, so, uh, I don't think we really need to add much to that. What's the next story? Next up is Marvel Studios reveals episode count and lengths for She Hulk, Loki, Falcon, and Winter Soldier. Hmm. So in just a matter of days, remember this was this news article is a little over a week old. Yeah. Uh, so in just a matter of days, the Marvel Cinematic Universe will go into uncharted territory when WandaVision officially makes its debut 
on Disney+. The series will be Marvel Studios' inaugural installment into the television and will kick off a growing number of additional TV shows and limited series. Fans have been eager to see exactly how those Disney Plus series revolutionized the MCU. And Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige uh, recently shed light on them. In an interview with Collider, Feige spoke about the overall approach to the various Disney Plus series, which are either being developed as six-hour-long episodes or nine to ten half-hour-long episodes. So, right there we know every Disney Plus series is going to be either ten episodes Mm -hmm. of a half hour Mm -hmm. or uh, six hour long episodes. Right. So that's what we've learned here. And also, um, we do want to, we, we all want to see how it impacts, uh, and revolutionizes the revolutionizes the MCU, but we already know to a certain degree, um, how it's going to do it because they can actually really flush out some of this stuff now by just don't making a series, a TV, a little series on, on Disney plus with it and really give you some, um, context to the things that happen for the theatrical releases. So that is revolutionary in itself. Yeah. So it's like, we're, ah, yeah. uh, So for instance, WandaVision started that way in the Falcon winter soldier as well as 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Because it's streaming, it's Disney plus, and the rules have blurred over the years. Yes, some can be that 23 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Some can be much longer than that. But She-Hulk, for instance, is being developed as 10 30-minute episodes. Interesting. Uh, some will be longer and will be sh- some will be shorter. Loki, Falcon, Winter Soldier uh, is being developed as 6 40- to 50-minute episodes. Mm-hmm. Wow. While things can obviously change between now and when a series actually debuts, uh, Pagas comments do provide an interesting amount of insight. WandaVision has already been confirmed to have nine half-hour episodes, but the news that She-Hulk will be ten half-hour episodes and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki will have six-hour-long episodes is definitely compelling. Mm -hmm. In the same interview... Fage also confirmed that the forthcoming Moon Knight series will be six hour long episodes. Hmm. Ultimately, Marvel's Disney Plus shows will provide an extension of the MCU that fans haven't been expecting, with Fage previously arguing that they will provide experiences that feel wildly different from the movies. Which is fair given the whole you're in an episodic format. Right. It allows you to experiment Mm -hmm. with the traditional Marvel format of movies. Absolutely. Uh, streaming is 100% the future and where consumers want to watch things. Fuck it. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, 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 yep. stop, yeah. stop, stop. Whoa, 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 whoa. Kevin? Black Widow then, motherfucker. If this, <laughs> if this is true, where's, our, where's my widow? Where's my widow? 
Just saying. Hopefully they'll want to watch our long-form narrative series. An experience like WandaVision is something you can't get in a movie. You go to movies for things you can't get on streaming. And you go to streaming for things you can't get in the theater. And of course, everything in a theater goes to streaming eventually. And Kevin, we can't get in a theater. (laughs) Come on, like... Give me, give me Widow. Stop playing. And then it's just basically WandaVision, as well as then other future MCU shows, will debut exclusively on Disney+. Plus, huh. Which we kind of knew. Yeah. I mean, listen, I am all for uh, the Disney Plus thing. I'm, I'm enjoying it immensely. Um, and I feel as though it opens up an opportunity to usher in the new wave of more streaming and... The, the all of that stuff about going to the movie theaters. Listen, the movie going experience was cool, but what we have learned is people are dirty. Last year they had to tell you to wash your hands when you come out of the bathroom. So at this point, I am not looking forward to going into a movie theater with a bunch of lepers. So what I would like is for Kevin Feige to live up to what he said right there and give me my widow. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. That's all. That's it. That's all. Um, <laughs> and the next story. Uh, Feige talks about whether some of the MCU TV shows will be one-offs or multiple seasons, as it turns out. That's a good question, actually, because I, I, I had been pondering that. The arrival of the first TV series from Marvel Studios may have taken a bit longer than everyone expected, thanks to the effects of the ongoing pandemic. But the premiere of the anticipated program, excuse me, project is finally on the horizon. WandaVision, starring Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bethany, debuts on Disney Plus this Friday. So you guys are hearing this uh, late. It's already debuted. Blending the action and stories of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the styles of TV sitcoms, from throughout the decades, this series clearly seems like it would be a one-and-done thing, setting up Wanda's upcoming appearance in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, but that may not be the case for every Marvel show coming to Disney+. Plus. Shows like Loki and Falcon and the Winter Soldier seem to have a longer story in mind, especially since the characters in the leading roles don't have any big-screen plans in the immediate future of the franchise. So does this mean that their Disney Plus projects will have multiple seasons? Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige recently spoke with Variety about the future of the franchise on Disney Plus and explained that the longevity of these projects will change from title to title. And that makes sense because if we're going off of like the way things are done in comic books, you can typically see, yeah, mini series here. Right, right, right. So this makes sense. Um, he says that um, it will vary, said Feige. There are some shows that have been built to further expand our storytelling and they go into features. We've already announced Lizzie Olsen being a part of Doctor Strange 2. We've announced Tiana Paris being part of Captain Marvel 2. There are some shows that, while always interconnected, are being built with multiple seasons in mind. So it'll vary the way a lot of, of, I think, great TV now varies. Whether it's a couple of years between seasons of Game of Thrones or Stranger Things or one-offs like 
Uh, what did I just watch? Queen's Gambit. One of the fun things about streaming is the rules are loose, which allows for you to just follow creativity, creativity or creatively where you would want to go. There isn't going to be a one set answer for how long a given title could be. Something like WandaVision will only last a single season. Others will last longer. Loki, for example, is reportedly already working on a second installment. So, yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a good idea. And they, they, they're, they're actually being very flexible. And I think it actually is, it, it'll help the um, theatrical releases because people will go in. It kind of reminds me of um, Avengers Endgame when I saw all these people who waited 22 movies in 10 years to go and finally see a Marvel film and then complained that there wasn't enough character development. <laughs> like, uh, dude. The big team-up movie isn't meant for the development of most characters. There was still some development. Yeah, absolutely, Thanos, absolutely. But that's because he was the big bad villain. <laughs> See, the thing that I find hilariously stupid about that Why charge. Why would man sacrifice himself? <laughs> you had... 10 years, my guy, to watch these other movies to catch up. And you decided because this quite naturally was getting a bunch of fucking press that, oh, a movie from the franchise that I've shown no interest in for the past 10 years is getting a lot of, saying it's a great movie. I'm going to go and see it. But you ain't see the other ones, man. But you know, apes will ape. So I can't really be surprised about that, but it's just mind-numbingly stupid. Like, even if you watched just the other Avengers movies, yeah! you would have seen development. You would have saw it. If you didn't, didn't want to go and watch any of the rest of those movies and you just wanted to stick with the main branch Avengers movies, you would have known what was going on. You know, Listen, I only watched uh, the last Lord of the Rings movie, and I have complaints that it didn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the last Star Wars movie. I didn't see the other two, but listen, the, the original trilogy. I'm just trying to figure out why they didn't really. To be fair, it. that one's valid. It came That's a good point. That's a good I point. I watched episode four and it didn't make sense because the first three episodes <laughs> come out for another Look, 40 years. I have read, um, I've read the original um, Star Wars uh, book, um, one they put in novel form. And yes, it does flesh out a lot more things um, than what you got even in the first three original uh, Star Wars movies. But the first three original Star Wars movies were easy to pick up because they followed the journey of the hero, the Joseph Campbell yeah. thing. So it was real easy to pick the story up by saying you're presented with the hero. He wants to. He's tired of being where he's at. He longs for adventure. He feels he has a future, and then all of a sudden, his mentor comes out of nowhere. Shows him a new world. New, magical space wizard. Right? <laughs> magical space wizard with a really gnarly beard. And it's like, all right, you kind of get, you can get the story. 
But yeah. you're not going to go into um, Avengers Endgame and get that same thing. It's not, no. Yeah. It's not happening. It's not happening. All right. Next up is Moon Knight series coming to Disney Plus taps Ethan Hawke as main villain. Wow. So, and I'm okay with this. Ethan Hawke's a pretty yes, good actor. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. It's pretty good so, casting. So, to quote Tears for Fears, everybody wants to join the MCU. Wait that's a minute. Correct. No, not not that, not correct. That's not it. That's not it. <laughs> Anyways, the latest megastar to throw their hat into the shared Marvel mythos is Ethan Hawke. Per The Hollywood Reporter, the Daybreakers and Sinister actor has been tapped to play the main role opposite Oscar Isaac's Mark Spector in the live-action Moon Knight series coming to Disney+. No details were provided about the role, but Hawk is the third addition to the cast following Isaac and Rami's May Cal- uh, Kalamawi. I hate that name. Uh, the latter of whom was added in another mystery role earlier this week. So, THR, so the Hollywood Reporter, Mm -hmm. wagers there's a good chance Hawk is playing Raul Bushman. Mm. Uh, A mercenary and thief who leaves Spectre for dead in the harsh Egyptian desert over some gold. Now, I... I, My main issue with this Mm -hmm. is that Bushman is an African warlord who was a former CIA Uh... agent. If Ethan Hawke does play Raul Bushman, it means we might hopefully see Moon Knight carve off his face. As I believe you've been wanting that, past, yeah, you've been wanting that for a while. Yes. As we've mentioned in the past, I can understand why they might not go that route if they had a black actor. Right, 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 right. Given the current socio-political climate, you, you know the thing that's crazy about that is people who who absolutely know nothing about this character or the law or anything of that will just go off of the very shallow understanding of this and make a big to do about it. But the reality is, if they went the way these people would suggest they go, by them not knowing how that's supposed to play out, they'd be more outraged. <laughs> I, I, I just want to see Moon Knight carve somebody's face off. <laughs> but again, I understand why if they if they cast Bushman as a black man as he is in the comics, why they might not do that. Right. The seventies were a wild time. <laughs> yes, they were. So Spectre is eventually brought back to life, but only on the condition that he serves as a proxy for the lunar god known as Khonshu. Hmm. He accepts the mantle and returns to the United States to live a double life as a wealthy man by day and menacing vigilante by night. In fact, Moon Knight is often referred to as Marvel's answer to DC's Batman, which... It's not fair. Fuck you. Yeah, it's not fair. I have gone over this one so many times. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not a fair uh, comparison. Ah... Thanks to the nifty list compiled by CBR, comic book reader, there are some other candidates for the antagonist, such as Killer Shrike, an enhanced mercenary for Roxxon Oil Company. Yeah, it's Roxxon again. Crossfire, an interrogation expert for the CIA, where Mark Spector once worked as an operative, who's also developed some mind control technology, and Black Spector. 
a disgruntled army veteran who turned to a life of crime and politics after returning from combat. Well, wait a minute. Crime and politics is kind of the same thing. I don't think you needed it. Fair. <laughs> so there, there's also a very good possibility Ethan Hawke plays one of those three characters. Right, 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 right. In which case, I, I feel like Black's... Bushman is his main antagonist, is his is his big recurring villain. Is his Joker, would you say? <laughs> no. No. Why are you like this? But Black Spectre is also one of his big villains as well. And I feel like if you're going multiple seasons, mm-hmm. starting off with Black Spectre, with maybe a few Easter egg nods to Bushman. Yeah, yeah. Would be a good place to start. That's acceptable. That's acceptable. Interesting, interesting, like, interesting. Will be directed by Mohammed Diab, Aaron Moorhead, and Justin Benson. Plans to begin shooting in Budapest in March. Jeremy Slater, a writer known for the Lazarus Effect and the Umbrella Academy, is serving as the showrunner. Interesting. Which gives me hope. Yeah. I haven't seen the Lazarus Effect, but I have seen the Umbrella Academy. Same, same. And I have been quite pleased with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing about Umbrella Academy is, as derivative as a lot of the concepts in there is, it's still different. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's still very different. So And you know, someone else I think who could also play a good villain in the Moon Knight series mm-hmm. is Shadow Knight. Oh also, his other nickname is the Hatchet Man. Hey, that was my nickname in, in college. And <laughs> one of the reasons I think this could be a good villain is because Shadow Knight his civilian identity is Randall Specter. Mark ah, Specter's brother. So yeah, that might in, be a good and, yeah. And in the comics, Shadow Knight actually got killed by Punisher. Ooh. And Moon Knight references that in the OG Civil War series, where it's like he's like, Don't think I forgot what you did, Frank. He's like, What? Killed your brother? I only did it because I beat you there to him. Wow. Of of course, I, I, I've always loved the Moon Knight Punisher dynamic. Moon Knight's probably the only person who can make a casual offhand comment about Frank's family without immediately getting shot. <laughs> I'm wondering if that's because uh, uh, crazy recognizes crazy. So it's like, <laughs> it's, it's like... You have on one hand, you have a guy like Moon Knight, who is cutting people's faces off, pretty yeah, extreme. In, so. in in the recent Punisher run, there was a bit where the two of them were talking, and for, and Punisher's like, "Hello, Mark, you still crazy?" He's like, "Yeah, a little oh, bit. I saw that. Yeah, you still murdering people a little bit. How's your imaginary god? He's good. How's your dead family? Yeah, I, yeah that's just hilarious." Anyone else makes that comment, they're dead. I almost guarantee Punisher just they're fucking dead. shoots them. Yeah, they're dead. They're dead. If, if, if they're a hero, he doesn't kill them. He just shoots out their kneecap. Yeah. And but you're, you're especially going to get it. He just sort of looks at it. It's like, I, I kind of had that one coming. But, you know, you're, Again, you're, you're going to get that um, with, with, with guys like uh, Wolverine. 
like, like, listen, Wolvie gonna take that shot. <laughs> He's gonna take it. Yeah, except in Wolverine's case, Punisher takes his shot too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Punisher, Punisher shoots him in the head and walks away. Exactly. Like, and when you come to remember this, never talk about my family again. <laughs> yeah. But Moon Knight, he he took it. Right. He's like, all right, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I did say something, so <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to how this shakes out. Um, definitely, I'm, I'm to me, I'm just glad to see Marvel uh, once again delving into some of the other characters other than the more um, noticeable ones, the ones that people know more about. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see them doing that and putting some actual thought and energy behind it. So. I mean, again, I've said it from day one, they have a huge bench and they can take almost any of those other characters and make them interesting if they do right by them. So we'll have to see, you know? Um, but to the meat of this episode, again, as uh, Super Side Guy said earlier in the, in the episode, there will be spoilers. So if you have not watched it, you might not want to stop this now and come back to this again after you have. If you have no plans on watching it, it doesn't matter. Um, but maybe this will help you so that you don't have to watch it. Some of the stuff that we talk about, you'll still get anyway. Um, and that's kind of where I want to start with with this. Um, my initial impression. The first episode, it was a struggle for me to make it through. I'm not even going to lie, not because it was bad, but because even though I knew this was the direction they were going to go with it, it still just hurts my eyes. I I didn't have a problem with the first episode. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, 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 believe me, there's a bunch of people that enjoyed it. But I struggled episode through it. Episode two, it really picked up for me, too. Yeah. Episode two, I was like, yeah, okay. Now, I, I, like, listen, they went with the old style um, TV sitcom thing purposely. That's part which, of the narrative. We, 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 we all we knew this. We talked about the article. Exactly. How Dick Van Dyke on as an advisor exactly. for how to handle those few exactly. episodes. From what I from what I've gathered from other articles that we haven't talked, they were very mostly reiterated stuff. Right. With maybe one small piece of information was that they plan on developing it as the show goes on. It'll be like the era of sitcom. Yes. Thing. Yes. And, and you did kind of see that with between episode one and episode two. Right. Right. Where right. It went from a Dick Van Dyke to a Bewitched style, which is. Same era, a few years later type thing. So it's still a similar style. Yeah, yeah. And again, I think the issue for me was that style, even in tongue-in-cheek, is very dated to me, and I didn't realize how dated because it's been years since I've watched those shows. So, yeah. you know, when I watched I was like, oh, yeah. And even though, to be honest, yes, it was in that style, the pacing wasn't, though. The pacing was still, you know, kind of up to date type yeah. of pacing, you know. And I think that was that was probably the reason they were able to pull it off. Absolutely. 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 But again, just the overall aesthetic of that 
and it, this is a personal thing too because as a kid I watched the reruns of Dick Van Dyke and the reruns of all of that shit they used to come on channels uh, where I lived at that didn't have the best reception so it was a little snowy on the screen you know all the time and you would have to periodically adjust the rabbit ears <laughs> whatever on there to try to get it right and I don't know, it's something about that era of time when I was a kid, they would come on early in the morning um, or some of them would come on after school. Like, you go from school, it was on or whatever. And I would literally take a nap after, like, I would watch them and take a nap. So this thing brought a whole bunch of other baggage that style has for me. So I was really struggling through the first, but I was determined to watch it all because I needed to get context, more context, because I knew what was coming up next in the next few um, episodes, this thing is going to go wildly left, wildly left. And there were some really creepy, creepy parts to both of these episodes, by the way. Very, very creepy little things happening going on there. What was your initial impression? There's, there's a lot of Easter eggs. Oh, dude, yes. Like, there is a ridiculous amount of Easter eggs. It's ridiculous. But I, I think one of the things that stood out to me a little bit mm-hmm. was how they worked in Easter eggs. Yeah. Not just to the show itself, but to like the greater MCU and the greater Marvel Universe. Right, right, right. In the form of in-episode commercials. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They, they had a commercial come up where they're talking about, like, this toaster makes things easier from Stark Enterprises, like, referencing Howard Stark, obviously. Because <laughs> time right, frame. right, or, right. Or the setting of the movie or show, per se, it would have been Howard Stark, not Tony. Right. But it was still nice to see, like, this little reference to Tony Stark and Stark Enterprises. Or for the watch get the strucker watch yo, uh, oh, yo. My, and of course baron so von funny. Strucker, it's so funny it's so funny the, baron von strucker was not only one of the major parts of hydra and the watch itself showed hydra yeah strucker was also the person who formed the hydra breakaway group advanced ideas mechanics facts, facts. and most most watches always show the time 10 10 and it's because when they do that you can show off the full watch like any imagery and everything on the right, watch while right. still showing the hour the minute and the second hand in different spots this one did not it showed i think 232 or something like that mm-hmm. which was the episode or which was the issue avengers issue like that issue of Avengers was the one where Strucker forms aim. Right. Right. So like that, that's one of those like subtle, very subtle Easter eggs. Yeah, man. They, they actually, have, even down to, um, I mean the level of Easter egg here, I have, I have rarely seen them do as much in a shorter period of time as they did. Like even, even his goddamn tie, that little symbol on his tie, that little diamond shaped, uh, uh, I think it was a tie clip. Looked very much like, very much like the pattern on his chest when he's visioned the hero or whatever. 
And it's like it's yeah. all these little things in that you have to watch maybe a couple of times. Or if you're someone that is just so heavily steeped into the lore, you might catch a lot of this at the end, at, you know, in the beginning. But it was just a lot of fucking Easter eggs in there. Just an amazing amount to the point where it's so many that it's like you would have to we would have to literally do a whole show <laughs> on that being yeah. the being the the theme of it the easter egg stuff you know um e- even on i remember um even on the when they were doing the magic stuff um oh, in the second episode in the second yeah. episode Dude, it was one of the funniest things. I I remember remarking to uh, SPJ uh, that Paul Bethany has so much range, it's ridiculous. So much range as an actor. It's amazing he doesn't have more starring roles. See, I was wondering that why that was too. Because just seeing him um, and the things that I've seen him in, he's actually a phenomenal actor. And I'm wondering why some director hasn't decided to uh, create a vehicle for him to really display that. But he has pretty much all of the, the requirements you need. He does um, the, the the sardonic humor very good. He, um, the whole love thing, being, you know, the love interest and the tragedy and all that other stuff that came with um, his relationship with Wanda and how it played out in the uh, first few phases or whatever. It was really good stuff, man. And then, to me, him adding the comedic part, that put it over the edge for me. I was like, yo, Paul Bethany is kind of a beast, and they need to use him more, you know? No, he's a really good actor who's... Honestly, I feel like it's him just preferring to do these side roles. He, that could he be makes, it too. He still makes his money and everything. Absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, like, he's been part of the MCU since Iron Man One. Facts. He was the voice of Jarvis before Vision. Absolutely. But it's like you look at a lot of his other roles, and it's he's had a, a couple TV roles. One of them is a main one where he played uh, Teddy Kaczynski in the Manhunt TV series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the Unabomber. But, like, he was in the solo movie as one of the voices. Yep. Just, like, one of the robot voices, I believe. He's been in a... He's ha- I think he has had one main starring role in a movie, which was Priest. Right. I remember that. I like remember that. Most of his stuff, he's just these small supporting roles. Like, his biggest role before this was arguably A Knight's Tale as Geoffrey Chaucer. Which, again, is still a supporting role. Right. And it just seems like that's what he prefers. Because, like, he's even joked about, like, the beautiful thing about working for Marvel up until Age of Ultron was that he could just go in, he he does his lines because he's a voice of Jarvis. He doesn't necessarily have to act or anything. He comes in, does his lines, they hand him a bag of money, and he walks out. (laughs) That's how he jokes. It's like, all right. That's good. That's that's good money. I feel like that's just... I feel like that's just more what he likes to do. Yeah, you know what? When you sit back and think about what it takes to um, to carry a movie as the principal actor, that's a lot of work, and it's a lot of demand on your time, right? So I kind of feel like he has adjusted his craft 
to fit the type of lifestyle he wants. And I got to respect that because that's kind of what I've been um, aiming for for the last decade or so. So I kind of, I respect that. Like, I definitely respect that. Um, Yeah. Also, we cannot not mention um, uh, uh, Wanda. Um, Oh, yeah. Like, she, Elizabeth Olsen, she's a much better actress than I think people may have wanted to give her credit for before. And I think that's because of who her sisters are. Yep. Absolutely. Which is weird because outside of her sisters, outside of them as kids... They didn't have any real roles. I mean, they chose to leave Hollywood and focus on being like fashion designers and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Which is fair. But like because of her sisters, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen... Mm-hmm. She was always the forgotten child. Yep. She was the yep. third child. She was she was sort of there yep. rather than she grew up in the lifestyle of having actors in the family, everything else. She grew up around the Hollywood types. Right. But she was never really one of she them. She wasn't the star. And and now it's who are Mary Kate and Ashley? Yeah, if, facts. If you weren't a '90s kid growing up on facts stuff like that, you wouldn't really realize that they're related, and you, you wouldn't, wouldn't know, know how how kind of big they were back then. Yeah, you wouldn't know that. But I think you've really got to see some of the acting in a bit of a different way, because like how we've seen her in the MCU is like Age of Ultron on. It's like okay, yeah, like this serious almost tortured thing. right 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 one thing you see here is you see you see her as uh almost like carefree and happy and absolutely you, you see some com- a good comedy aspect and one thing that stood out for me especially in the terms of her was again the second episode with the magic show and everything yeah else. yeah that was good but i think it was the first episode that stood out for me okay when the kitchen and all the cooking in the kitchen when Vision's boss was over. Right, right. Like, that bit was great, but you kind of got to see her on her own and still do good work, right? Yeah. Because that was primarily, like, her with, like, a quick peep in by Paul Bettany, a quick peep in by, like, the neighbor and everything else. But it was primarily her carrying that scene. And it was a great scene. It stood out to me. It it definitely did. Um, one of the uh, uh, in the opening, the animated one division opening. Um, oh, in the second episode. Yeah, with the there bewitched thing. Easter, yeah, but there's a lot of Easter eggs in that too. And and that's the thing that's crazy because like some of the some things do, do not translate well from comic books to. Um, to film, and it's because people have certain expectations of reality when it comes to movies, and they don't have those same expectations in comic books. In that same uh, animated opening, if you look on the wall there, there was something, um, uh, an advertisement for a type of milk, bova milk. Yeah. Now, 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 that one, <laughs> I actually didn't catch it I caught that. I caught that real time. I caught I, that real time. <laughs> I did not catch that one at first, Um uh, 
friend of the show, Cindy, pointed it out to me. Yeah, it's crazy. And I'm like, yo, I missed that one, but I did catch two other ones that uh-huh. were thrown into that opening. Well, let, let, let's explain to them the Bova, because some of them might not know who Bova is. Bova was a, a cow and midwife, and she, in the comic books, helped deliver Wanda and um, Pietro. So, of course, that sounds ridiculous on, on in movies, right? But in the comic books, we went with it. <laughs> we just went with yeah. it, you know? And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't she... Um, unless I'm confusing characters, wasn't Bova somehow um, connected with the... Um, what was the dude named? The something uh, uh, evolutionary, high evolutionary. Yeah, the high evolutionary. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Pretty crazy that they even threw that in. Oh, there. And Bova was the person who basically was the nurse and midwife mm-hmm. to Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. So Wanda and Pietro Maximoff. Right, right. And I, I kind of knew they wasn't going to. Um, really include that. Yeah, in Age of Ultron. Yeah, because of how they went about right in the sh- movies. But it was nice to see that subtle nod. Right? I, I agreed, agreed. Because, I mean, how do you explain... First of all, in order to explain both, you have to explain the high evolutionary. They don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah. Now, one of the ones that got me was there was a, a reference to both a comic character... And one of the Netflix shows. Ah. They referenced the wizard. Oh, yeah. It's the speedy if, dude. The dude that can run fast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who appeared in the live action Jessica Jones Netflix show. Yep. Yep. And they had a, a next to the lamp, they had a statue of the wizard. Wizard. <laughs> but there was another one that kind of referenced. Uh, Vision's origins in that animated opening, and not not the Ultron part. Right. But so everyone in, in the comic world, Vision's mind was based off of the mind of Wonder Man. Facts. Who is a a mostly hero, but he he's had a villainous turn or two. He has, and he's also he, was, he, he annoys he was me. Hero. He was a a movie star yeah. primarily with, yeah. with powers, but Wonder Man's brother, Grim Reaper. Yes, and there was a reference to Grim Reaper in that opening, where there was Grim Reaper's helmet underneath their sink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now Grim Reaper also plays a role in the Vision solo series, or the Visions, which is like vision with his wife and children uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. where the grim reaper basically tries to kill them they kill him and then they have to hide the body and under investigation and everything like that right so it's like both a nod to his recent well semi-recent solo series this is like 2017 something like I that i think yeah something like that but also the fact that it's a reference to the comic origins of Vision with his brother's mind, basically. Right. And it's like that. It's another one of those ones where, again, I 
doubt they're gonna go too in depth on that. Nah, nah. But it, but it's a nice throw-in nod. I do believe at some point we're gonna get a Wonder Man though. Oh yeah, given that they teased him in Guardians, uh, right? They teased Guardians. him in Guardians. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I do believe we're gonna eventually get that. And um, uh, he's one of he's one of the most annoying, powerful characters. Uh, Marvel has that he annoys me because uh, not long ago he went on this pacifist shit and it really annoys me to see a guy as powerful as him play the pacifist role I just want to see you hit something <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, a guy who can contend with the Hulk being a passive. Yeah, man. Like, I, like I, it, it did make it for a good story arc. I'm sure it did. It just it annoyed me. I want because I always felt like Wonder Man, even though he's been in a lot of stories, I still don't feel like they've utilized him as well as they could have. Like, it's things I would like to see from him as a character that I don't feel like I'm going to get as long as he's in this passive shit. But who knows how long that's going to be. Some of the writer might come along and decide, give him a reason not to be a pacifist anymore. But he's powerful as fuck. Um, so I, it seems like a waste. Why, uh, why have the ability to lift entire buildings and never lift a building? <laughs> like, come on, man. I, look, it's actually what annoys me in some respects about Thor. But I understand why they write them that way. It still annoys me. Um, uh, people have an understanding that Thor is strong as fuck. But it does, it's not the first thing that comes to their mind because of the way he deals with threats, the way he fights, the way he resolves things. He, you don't typically see him bench pressing <laughs> thousands and thousands of tons because that's not how the character, they work the character. But it annoys me in that because of this, people who don't know much about the character don't really realize how dumb strong he is. And they don't really go off of the striking power as much. People want to see you lift shit. That's why one of the reasons that the Hulk is the, the Hulk. This man's lift a billion tons. <laughs> like, uh, you know, that, oh, Hulk is strong. He lifts stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see Thor lift some stuff. Lift some shit. But yeah. that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but, okay, so my question for you, though, it does appear that in the upcoming episode for us will be tomorrow. Um, by the time you guys watch it, it'll be, this episode will be, you know. Next. next it'll be a week. So a week, episode yeah. three will be up by the time this episode comes Yeah. Out. So it's it, 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 it becomes clear from the little things that they showed they're going to go into the um, Brady Bunch-ish era with Technocolor. Yeah. With Technocolor, right? So my question to you is, how many episodes do you think they're going to... Like, what episode do you think it's really going to rev up where there are more than just a passing reference to the fact that something's wrong? That, that they're literally... There's there's something wrong with the realities that she's in. I I figure like we're, we're already acknowledging that there's something wrong in yeah. the first two episodes. Absolutely. And it really comes to highlight at the end of the second episode when you hear that like almost noise, she goes outside 
Yeah. And she sees the man in the beekeeper suit coming out of the sewer. Right. Now, there there's a few things that that reminded me of. Mm-hmm. One, the beekeeper suit is kind of iconic of AIM. Absolutely. The, the symbol on the suit is that of sword, yep. which is a shield. Absolutely. Division. And also in, heavily involves Captain Marvel and Abigail Brand and aliens. Right. But neither one of those have a lot to do with bees, which you see buzzing and you see a bunch of bees. Mm-hmm. Now, there is one character that uses those a lot. And again, with the subtle reference of the AIM reference, mm-hmm. which was founded by Hydra, there was a German Nazi super soldier known as Swarm, who is basically a giant swarm of bees in humanoid form. Right. He basically got turned. So it kind of reminded me of Swarm a lot. It's like, okay, seeing as we're going in this direct, knowing that this goes into Doctor Strange 2 Multiverse of Madness. Right. And how that itself is going to play into Spider-Man to an extent. Mm -hmm. We know Doctor Strange is involved in Spider-Man. Right. And there are a lot of rumors Again, nothing's been confirmed, but a lot of rumors about Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield being involved in Spider-Man 3. Right. That if you're getting a multiverse, Swarm is primarily a Spider-Man villain. Yep, he sure is. So this could be a nod towards something that's going to happen there. Interesting. Uh, we, We do see a lot of nods to S.W.O.R.D., because yeah. not only was this guy's suit had a sword symbol on it, the helicopter, the toy helicopter you see, the first had, thing yeah, it had the insignia color, on it, yeah. Had swords insignia on it as well. And it was Iron Man suit color, too. Yep. Yeah, so it's kind of, yeah, they so mixed I, a lot I of stuff feel in like there. The people trying to get a hold of her, which you hear through the radio a lot, mm-hmm. might actually involve sword. Agreed. And uh, one of the characters who we haven't seen a whole lot of yet Mm -hmm. is uh, Tiana Paris's Monica Rambeau. Yeah, Monica Rambeau, Monica Rambeau being an experimental flight pilot, everything else. We do know that. She appears in episode three because of IMDb and everything else. Uh uh She's in episodes three through nine. What we know is that. I guess she technically appeared in episode two. She did. She was with them when they were in the um, the, the the garden party, the magic show and all of that. Yep. But we know she. Her her appearance there wasn't as Monica Rambeau. It was as Geraldine. Right. As right. Monica Rambeau, it's episode three. Right. And she like And Monica Rambeau being an experimental flight pilot, uh-huh. it kind of fits in with Sword. And I feel like that's really where that bit's gonna come into play is 
Mm. And and we kind of saw something in the trailers where she sort of comes in with the helicopter and is like, oh my god, I'm dead because like Vision's here. Vision's right. Dead. Right. I feel like that's going to come up in either episode three or four that bit. And that's going into the midpoint of the series. So I feel like that's really where things are going to pick up and take on the more sinister aspects of the show it's going to go from being far more innocent that the first two episodes were into that yeah and that's the other thing so i didn't particularly find any of that innocent because i felt like that because we know this universe we we know these characters we know they're not supposed to be like that. So the whole time there was a hint of menace for me as I was watching like, yo, this ain't right. This but, ain't. <laughs> yeah. the, the tone of the show itself was primarily like a more innocent look. Oh, absolutely. But what I'm speaking more of is the, the subtext. Like for instance, um, the, them the, chanting for the yeah, children. Yeah. Or, or his boss and his boss's wife, who was also the actress that played in um, that 70s show, the mom in that yes, 70s show. Um, that whole thing was creepy to me. What, what do we do? We do productivity. <laughs> but productivity of what? What do you mean? We measure productivity. <laughs> it was just like, and, and I think it's heavily because I fully theory right here, but I mm. feel like it's heavily because a lot of this is, taking place in Wanda's head. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 So she hadn't fully developed how all this stuff works out, which leads to a lot of these more. Why don't we remember how we got here? Why do we not remember how we met? Right. Why do we not remember? Like when we moved in together, why you, we don't know what your job is. Well, one of the other reasons they probably I would say they don't know what his job is because if you look at those old, old shows, the father would go out to work. You didn't really know what the fuck he did. <laughs> you just knew he threw on his little suit and his little hat and his overcoat and he would leave out the house and he would come in at the end of his day. You ain't really know what he did for a living. And sometimes you might see him in an office, but even with that, like... <laughs> What does this guy actually... I cannot tell you what Dick Van Dyke did for a living on the Dick Van Dyke <laughs> show. I, I don't know. What the fuck? What, come on. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. But it was, it was still one of those things like where it, it kind of like... It makes sense that like if it's all in her head, it makes sense that like half this stuff isn't developed. She's focused Absolutely. on her immediate area. Well, this is another question I have then and it stems from this show. So... While we were talking about not knowing what Vision's job was and why Wanda wouldn't know because she hadn't flushed it out, it brings me to and um, Infinity War. Those two had been on their own away from the Avengers for a while. What, five years. Five years. What the fuck was they doing to, to make money? Well, I think they were still both with their groups. It was just... They both kind of went off for like a couple weeks at a time every few months when they could. Well, that's fair. So that would mean that Wanda is getting a check. 
Wanda's being funded and backed by Wakanda. Ah, like that. That whole group is based out of Wakanda. At and the time, Vision right? so. is being funded by Tony. So, yeah, yeah. That, that, Plus, that Vision tracks. doesn't necessarily need things. Well, like true, it's, true. It's kind of the whole thing of not needing air, water, food. <laughs> but they had a house, though, man. They had a place they was living. Like somebody got to pay that rent. I thought that was more of like a hotel or something. Could be, but again, I mean, it still would stand like two hundred dollars a night. <laughs> I yeah, saw sure. like who's paying for this shit like but you're right they will save a lot of money on food because he doesn't have to eat and we saw what happened if he would on the show in the second episode <laughs> if you managed to consume something like he consumed that gum in the show and again it basically <laughs> gave him the impression of being drunk and that that was just hilarious him playing that's like oh look at me so funny so what's funny. wrong I don't know. She sort of looks like there, there's gum. And then it cuts to like the cartoon thing of the gears. Being oh, dude, that, I, I, yo, that, that took me out. That, I, I, I lost it there. Yeah, that, like, that took right, me out. Right. That took well me played, out. Well played, guys. That, that took me out right there. As if Tony and Bruce would ever build something that has gears and pulleys and shit like that. And that, that, took, that shit took me out. It took me out. Not even going to lie. I laughed long and hard at that. Long and hard, but yeah, I, I would. Um, I am interested in seeing what they do tomorrow. I am so pumped that the MCU is back. Um, with stuff for me to you know have an expectation of seeing. Um, and and again, like they're gonna do. They did two. They dropped two episodes this last time, but I don't think are they gonna drop another two Friday or just the one? And if it's just the one, how long is it gonna be? Half hour. Or? 23 minutes like what I I want to know how they're going to do that you know that's that's fair I want to know how they're going to do that but I I am definitely looking forward to it I'm also some of the things I'm looking forward to the most in this for this is because Monica Rambo it has become one of my favorite characters and I feel like she's underutilized these days so I'm interested in seeing you know the beginnings of her story any references they make to Captain Marvel, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah, her connection with that, playing a role in Captain Marvel too, as right? Well. And she's all she knows who she is. They they have a relationship, a family, almost family like relationship. So I, I want to. I there is a lot in this series for anybody that at least you think that it, it's only just about um, Wanda and, and Viz. Nah, there's a lot of things here that's going to build towards other things later. So, oh, yeah. And there's things we know are going to come up because they've talked about yep, it openly yep, and everything else. Like yep. Even when they announced WandaVision, they announced Kat Dennings. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We have not seen her at all yet. Nope, but I kind of get the, I kind of get the feeling she's the person watching that screen. I really do. Like, they don't show nothing about the person, but who's watching that screen? Who knows? Right. Right. But it's like, we haven't seen her yet. We know she... Well, no, because they, they announced that she was supposed to be one of their neighbors. So we might see her tomorrow on the show. Yeah. We might see her. But they, they it seems like to me they purposely haven't included her in any of the yeah, trailers. Yet. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't... They announced that she was in the role. Mm-hmm. But we we haven't seen her in anything yet, so it's also like, how are they going to introduce? How her? are they going to use her? How are they going to use her? 
And also, you know, a lot of time has gone by since um, the second Thor movie. In lore, a lot of time has yeah. passed. So she can't possibly still be an intern on the system. She might be a full-fledged scientist now. Yeah, that's fair. You know? Because remember, she in Thor 2, yeah, Thor 2, mm-hmm. she had her own intern. She did. She absolutely had one. So, I mean, you Even know. Even though she was like a, a social sciences, let me not tell you something, let me science, tell you. science, but still. That would actually make sense with this, too. Because, listen, first of all, let me say about, about it, there, have been, there have been characters that I did not give a fuck about before, or maybe they didn't exist before, that I actually care about and like to see now. One of them, of course, is Nebula, who's been around for a while, but I didn't give a fuck about Nebula until The Guardians. And now she's one of my favorite supporting characters. Darcy is another one. I like Darcy. I like what she brings to uh, to the to the movies, the levity or whatever that she brings to it, the not taking it or not appearing to take it as seriously as everybody else or everyone else is basically, no matter what scene she's in, Everyone else is basically her straight man. And yeah. I think she does really good with that goofy uh, uh, demeanor of hers. And I want to see more of her in it. And when, you know, they, they switch gears with Thor, I figured that was it for her. You know what I'm saying? Like, we probably won't see her anymore. Well, apparently they wanted to introduce her in Thor, but like Taika Waititi is like, there's no way we could have reasonably done that. Yeah, why go back to Earth? Takes place. Yeah, why, why go back to Earth with that? That, that makes, that's that makes outside sense. of what they needed to. Yeah, before, yeah. The Doctor Strange part. Yeah. So I mean, one one thing I actually got a kick out of is uh, Emma Caulfield Ford. Yeah, Ford. yeah. So, like. The, the leader of the garden party mm-hmm. thing where mm-hmm. like the complete almost bitch of everything it, which is funny because it's slightly reminiscent of her character in another TV show mm-hmm. that the Marvel has drawn a lot of actors from mm. and even a director from Buffy the Vampire Slayer yes. where Emma Caulfield floor, uh, uh, Ford plays the vengeance demon Anya. Right. And it had like a similar vibe. Like if Anya was actually a human and raised as a human, Mm -hmm. that's how she would have been. Absolutely. And if you look at like, it's, it's not the first, not the second, not even the third connection between that Buffy series Mm -hmm. and the MCU. Right. Obviously you have Joss Whedon. Yep. But I believe Anthony Head has also played a role in the MCU mm-hmm. as uh, uh, he was in Avengers, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Like, just as Avengers, it was, uh, what was it? He was, like, the or not, no, it wasn't Anthony Head. Anthony Head was in Ghost Rider. Oh, okay. Okay. He was, in, he was in Ghost Rider. Uh, so it wasn't Anthony Head. It was one of the other dudes who was there, but also in. Uh, was one of the guys in the Angel show. Okay. The, the guy who replaced Anthony Head as the Watcher. 
Oh! He, he, he was the voice of the dude who... Uh, or not Avengers, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. He was the dude who acted as the intermediary between Thanos and Ronin. Right, right. So the like guy that got his neck broke. You have multiple <laughs> actors involved. James Marsters, who plays Spike, has played a role in Runaways, which is closer to MCU than yeah. a lot of the shows have been. Yeah. Like, it's not the first time they've drawn on people from this show. I believe even David Boreanaz had a minor role in one of them. He probably did. Um, uh, But yeah, so it's like, it's been a regular thing for them to draw on people from, again, familiar backgrounds. Yeah. And it just so happens that they've drawn heavily from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. But they've also, it's like, we haven't seen it in this show yet, but they've drawn heavily on the people from the show community. Yeah. Yep. With a lot of the guys involved in that also being involved in various projects. Right. So it, it's kind of nice to see like some of these similarities to, again to shows we grew up watching. Absolutely. And you know, it just, it kind it it makes sense because when you had Josh Whedon it was heavily connected and involved with the Marvel Studios thing for a, a lot of years. So yeah. It just stands the reason that his Rolodex are their Rolodex, you know. You want to, now I'm interested. It would be really crazy wow. if they found a way to get Buffy herself <laughs> in a role <laughs> in the MCU role. That would be that would be crazy right there. Buffy herself on screen. She, she's she's taken a step back from acting. Yeah, as a whole. yeah, yeah. Well, for the most part, but it would be nice to kind of see. Like to see again, you know. She she had like a one episode appearance in Big Bang Theory and stuff like that, but like the majority of her stuff the last several years mm-hmm. was six episodes of Star Wars Rebels and a bunch of appearances in Robot Chicken. Yep, yep. So, but like the she doesn't do a lot of acting nowadays. So it'd be kind of cool if we actually ended up seeing her. Agreed. Appear because I still think she can probably act. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I mean, given that they've brought in people like Miley Cyrus for minor roles, it, it wouldn't have to be a major role. I'm not saying like make her a star, but it's like you could probably find like a role where she's in like one appearance. Again, another subtle nod and connection to the Whedonverse shows. I agree. I think, um, and and you know. Marvel's good at stuff like that and certain people in certain places to get the best effect for when you finally see them on screens. Like, oh, even if it's not a big role. Like, oh, that guy. Oh, that girl. I remember her. You know, so I look, I'm all for it. All for it. But yeah, like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to tomorrow to see what I think. See my my um thirsty ass, but I I'll probably be up early as shit watching that shit before I even start work. Oh yeah, dude, yeah. I'll, I'll be watching that before I go to bed because it'll come out <laughs> at one a.m. for me. So you know, like, yeah, I work the night shift tomorrow. It's cool. I'm right, watching. right, facts. So I think that's probably what I'm going to um do as well. I don't know. Lately, I've been um fatigued as fuck at the end of the day from all the shit I'm doing. So there's times when 
it used to be a time I'd be up uh, around that time. But now, I, I would say in the last couple of weeks, I'm You'll usually lying to bed at like 1030. You know I'm going to watch this. Right. One, one thing I think this show has done really well is kind of ending each episode. Yes. In yes. a way that makes you want to like, see what happens next. next. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like they've just kind of ended every episode on a question of, oh, like it's not a cliffhanger per se, but it's like, okay, I, I got to see where this continues on. Like exactly. Each epi- exactly. Every episode it kind of ends on an ominous note. Right. And at like the, the end- first episode, you see, like, again, the person watching the screen. Yeah. Heavily, and that this is like after the red helicopter. Right. The second episode. Again, ends on the person watching the screen right after the world goes color, after mm-hmm. Wanda freaks out, seeing the dude in the beekeeper yes. suit come out yeah. in an almost like horror movie style vibe. Right. So I, like I like, said, I'm, okay, I'm, that, that shit is good because that makes you want to see what happens next. And again, like I said, I am in the mood. I've been in the mood and haven't had for a long time for some good old-fashioned Marvel Studios action. Get you, uh, some stuff blowing up, people flying. I want to do. I want to see all that shit. So we're getting to that. Um, and again, like I said, I'm, I'm extra excited about the um, Monica Rambeau stuff because I want to see, does she currently have her powers or that's something they're going to wait for another type of movie um, with her either in it as a supporting character or is are they going to see... She does maybe right now... She doesn't know she has powers because her mind's been compromised or because of this reality warp. Or maybe that's just how she gets power. Exactly. So I'm interested in seeing how that works. But let us Either know. Way. Let us know, I, you know, if you saw yeah. the show and what you think about the show. You know. Yeah. Like, I know I'm interested as hell. And I know I've talked with a handful of people who are just like yo this is amazing i cannot wait mm-hmm. so i i, I want to see how this turns out because i think they're doing a good job on this so far yeah absolutely they're, they're, they're carrying and the narrative very well the first episode I, i've seen a lot of people say kind of is a rough start for them i actually enjoyed the first episode a lot bird but we'll, me, we'll see rough. how it plays out but like pretty much everyone i know who's seen the second episode Mm -hmm. with with a couple of detractors and i know one of the guys i've seen complain about it complains about literally anything marvel studios does so you can't really take that seriously for real yeah Yeah. pretty much everyone else i've seen is like yo did the way the second episode ended holy crap the second episode was so good and right so I, I, I'm interested to see how this plays out. Well, we won't have long to wait now. Um, no. But like I said, let us know. Go on our page. Let us know. Um, did you watch it? Because I want to kind of get a gauge on how many people actually enjoyed it that listened to what we do. So that would be interesting to know whether or not um, the, the, the audience we have small that, that it may be. be how many, how many among them, them enjoyed it? How, how many, many among them didn't? How, how many, many um, Easter eggs did you guys catch on first watch, watch without having to be um, presented with that um, by somebody, somebody else? else. Um, these are things that I want to know. 
Um, so let us know on the Metas and Mutants Facebook page. Um, but I think that's it for us today. Got anything you're trying to promote? Not at the moment. All right. I will be promoting, of course, um, the Rise Podcast uh, every Sunday on the Rise Podcast YouTube channel, as well as on the Instagram. 12 Eastern. 12 Eastern. Um, and, and, as well as on the Instagram page of Coach Calvin Ford. Just go to at Coach Calvin Ford, and it'll we we simulcast, so it'll be up there around the same time. Um, and of course, uh, Black Culture Geeks every Saturday, roughly at uh, eleven o'clock. I say roughly because shit happens. <laughs> and um, go check out <clears throat> Addie's Game Room. Check it out on. Um, he's now simulcasting as well, so. He, while he's also on his Facebook page, um, Addy's Game Room, he has a Addy's Game Room YouTube channel. Addy sp- being spelled A-D-I-E. So go check that out. Really, really entertaining. I was watching it the other day. It was really entertaining the way him and Nels go back and forth. And I sometimes make an appearance in the comments because I'm the official troll of the show. So, yeah, <laughs> you know. You see trollogram, you know. If you, if you see somebody post the word trollogram, you know it's me. Um, but um, anyway, for my man Super Saga, I am Tombstone the Dead Man. We are Metas and Mutants, and we are out of here.